The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Now, new figures uh, provided by the HSE to the Independent today show that Cork and Kerry, uh, the community health care organisations, they're still have the longest CAMS waiting list in the country. CAMS is the Child and Adolescent Mental Health Services, something we've been talking about an awful lot uh, on this show. So nearly four and a half thousand kids waiting uh, around Ireland, almost a thousand in that part of the country awaiting. Uh, Gary Stack is a GP in Killarney and he joins me now. Gary, you're welcome to the show. I mean, do do these figures surprise you or are you dealing with it so often that you would suspect there's something like this? It's hard to say they surprise me or not because we don't know what the figures are. Uh, We only, today I just found out that this is the waiting list. But we've no idea how long the wait is, uh, how long it takes to get from A to B. Or as importantly, maybe how many how many are refused, how many referrals are actually refused by CAMS. So uh, we are very much in the dark about if if I see a patient today and who needs a referral, one will they get will they be seen, and two when might they be seen? Uh, the, so the number actually on the waiting list isn't particularly helpful. What we'd be more interested in finding out is how long they'll be waiting to be seen. Describe your interaction then, how, how it works when you've got a patient who you feel would benefit from a, a referral to CAMS? Okay, I suppose in the normal course of events, a referral to, to any hospital, we would, all GPs now have different softwares and it is a question of documenting the consultation and then your software will, you can make a referral using the documentation that you already have. Uh, and this has been agreed nationally for a number of years. Uh, all forms have to go through a process uh, to, to enable them to, be, to, be, to extract the information from the software. CAMS have always absolutely refused point blank to engage with, with our software and they insist on a form of their own which is quite unwieldy and often is looking for information that GPs would not have uh, available before they would even consider taking, looking at the referral. Uh, there seem to be arbitrary refusals to, to see patients then, no, no known reason given and no transparent criteria as to why refusals are made. And then on top of that, we have a waiting list. But as I said, you, you've given us figures in Cork and Kerry, mm. but we have no idea time-wise uh, what those figures mean. So, uh, so there's a challenge even to get on that waiting list? A barrier is what I would call it. Okay. And that barrier is, I mean, do you suspect there's a degree of intention when it comes to it or is it just kind of badly designed? I, there's probably a bit of both. It suits, if, if they're badly designed, it makes things more awkward so you'll get less referrals. There's no engagement that we can see. We get occasional letters for, uh, of what's gone on, but we, there's no easy access for GPs. I cannot phone up somebody in CAMS and say, look, you know, I got your letter yesterday. I just a bit of a concern about one of the things you said, or can I check one of the medications you mentioned? Uh, we, don't have, we don't have access like that that we would have with, with adult psychiatry. And adult psychiatry also, I suppose, would have better backup from the point of view of uh, nurses, additional nurses, community mm-hmm. nurses, that we could tic-tac with. Uh, and I also think CAMS are really lacking from the psychological services and, and the, the talk therapies that seem to be uh, lacking uh, and people then are, are forced back on to, to prescribing, which isn't always the best. Okay, it, it strikes me. I mean, so, some of the problems then are, are to do with resources, either a lack of or a misallocation of resources. Some of them, though, are just simply about system design. You know, you don't That's necessarily true, need a huge amount of money to fix kind of the sharing of data. 
Yeah, but if if they even engage with, you know, there, there'll be two or three GPs in each year that they could engage with to try and improve the service and improve the communication. Uh, but until that happens, the, the barriers exist, I'm afraid. So what, let, let's imagine you're one of those GPs that the department or the HSE, whoever it happens to be, reaches out and says, listen, Gary, give us a, a, few, a few simple things that you'd like us to do. Low, low I, hanging fruit. Okay, I suppose any psychological backup, the talk therapies, um, cognitive behaviour therapy, uh, even simple counselling, psychological counselling. I don't know how available that is to to CAMS. Um, Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but my impression is that it isn't. So uh, the the backup that they would have in the adult services is not available in, in... the child services. So I, I think a better backup, better team built around the, the CAMS, um, easier access, a phone number that we can ring and query a medication, query a, a discharge, mm. query a concern we have about a patient. I think that would be number two. Uh, engagement with GPs on, on, this, on, on their very complicated and, and unnecessary form, I believe. Uh, I think those would be simple places yeah. to start. One of the things that struck me in all of our coverage, Gary, is that there are parts of the country where the system seems to work an awful lot better than others, which would suggest that the problems are not entirely intractable. Yeah, that's true from what I was reading in in the the paper today, that that the the, the, um, waiting list is much shorter in certain areas, so things must be working in certain areas. I think there seems to be a huge lack of staff. There's probably a huge demotivation of staff as well, given the, the scandals we've had uh, in CAMS and Kerry. Mm. Uh, and maybe quite difficult for them to, to recruit staff. Uh, but uh, someone needs to take the bull by the horns and, and get working on it. Matthew Sadlier is with us as well. Gary's a consultant psychiatrist and he's chair of the IMO's Consultants Committee. Uh, Matthew, you're welcome to the show. Were, were, you, were you surprised by these figures? Um, I wasn't surprised by the figures, but I, I would echo um, your previous talker's comment that the more useful figures would actually be to see how long people are waiting. Like, what we have are the figures are the number of people on each waiting list. Now, obviously, Cork and Kerry, you know, having the longest waiting list in, you know, and not having the biggest population is obviously an outlier. But it would be more informative if we knew how long, you know, I mean, if 100 people were referred this week and they're all seen next week, you know, that would be a waiting list of 100. That wouldn't be a problem. But if 100 people are referred this week and not seen for six months, that would be a problem. So um, in regards to that, now, are you talking to my colleagues who work in CAMS? I don't work in CAMS. I mean, the HC did report that 94% of all urgent cases are seen within 72 hours. So just to reassure the public that cases where there is an urgency, but the difficulty we have in the CAM service and in, with all the services at the moment is the early intervention and is the treatment of patients that wouldn't necessarily come under that urgent banner. And the problem is that they wait for a long time and then ultimately do end up under that urgent banner. I would absolutely echo the provision of psychological services is, is deficit both in primary care and for mm. primary care to maybe be accessed psychological services. And my understanding is the waiting list for that measured in terms of years rather than months for accessing to the counselling and primary care service. And yeah. that certainly we would feel is something that would need to be boosted up. Um, in regards to the numbers that they are, like we know, and I'm sure you've reported multiple times about the difficulties in Cork and Kerry, and I suppose it's not really in our position to go over that in, in great detail. But, you know, there was the recent report from the Mental Health Commission into the CAM service, which yeah. did say that there was a possibility to look at alternative methods of structuring services 
And, you know, alternative models of providing services for recruitment becomes difficult. And that's a direct quote from that report. And for most in the IMO, looking at the overall consultant recruitment, I mean, what we see the biggest problem is that the staff are not consulted when designing services. The services do not seem to be designed with one eye on will we be able to recruit staff to work in this place? Will we be able to retain staff to work Mm. in this place? There's been a lot of attention given to the national consultant contract. And as you know, that is percolating through the system at the moment. But when we in the IMO did a survey of our consultant members, what came back as much as any of the issues that are covered in a national contract, like hours and salary, were also the local factors to where people work, you know, access to childcare, access to schools if people have children, access to all these sorts of things that tend to be. And what we would be asking is that the HSE would talk to ourselves, Mm. talk to the professional representative bodies. My understanding is that on the most recent report on the construction of the mental health service, which was sharing the vision, that certainly in the IMO, we were not consulted about you know, how they were designing services. I don't believe the psychiatry was consulted. Uh, Yes, so... The designing services without consulting with one of the most important stakeholders, which is the staff. Yeah. So some of those problems, though, are not problems of the HSE, you know, housing and education and, and childcare. So, I mean, is the suggestion that upon consultation with staff, you might, what, end up with a, a more flexibility built into the contract to accommodate those type of things? Is that it? Well, it's how you structure the staff and, and do you structure centres? In At the moment, mental health is run in a very disparate model where we you know, locate primary care centres, you know, or do you look at a more centralised model? And, you know, I think we need to have a discussion about whether which model of care we look at with one eye to which is the model of care that's easier to recruit people. And I'm sure while families would like, you know, we'd all like services to be based locally and people not have to travel, but, you know, there's no point basing the service locally if we can't recruit staff to work locally. And I'm sure patients would much rather, you know, to have to travel a relatively short distance to be seen by expert mm. staff than to be stuck on and, a waiting list waiting for people to be recruited. And do you think, Matthew, maybe then in in that context, we can be guilty of letting perfection be the enemy of the good? I think that's a very good quote. And I think that is, you know, and I mean, the intentions are you know, good. And the intentions are, and I mean, I, I don't, I'm not being critical of anybody. I think everybody intends to try to design a service that works. But what we need to have is a bit more of a pragmatic view. And as I say, consult one of the most important stakeholders, which is the staff who will work in these services to see what design of service is most likely to be able to recruit and retain staff to work there. The other thing I would absolutely echo from your previous contributors as well, though, is the issue of integrated IT systems and integrated IT systems between secondary care and primary Mm. care. And this is something that the IMO, like I've been involved in, in, in this kind of medical politics for almost 20 years, and it's something that we've been calling for 20 years. You know, if you go into a hospital in Ireland now, how your information is dealt with is not much different to when if you went into a hospital in 1890. Yeah. You know, it is a paper-based chart that is, you know, contained within a cardboard chart. You know, we need to look at an integrated computer system, which would answer some of the questions that, you know, your previous caller mentioned, that if we had an integrated system between general practice and 
primary and secondary care, you know, referrals to secondary care will become easier. And there's also a possibility, and I know in other countries where they have a system where GPs can, you know, ask questions through the software, you know, of the specialist without spending five hours on the phone waiting for somebody to answer. Yeah, there must be people in the HSE who who rub their bellies laughing at these conversations had on the radio about how AI is going to revolutionise healthcare and we're still writing things, everything, as you say, down on paper and putting it into a cardboard chart about 40 years after the advent of the personal computer. Anyway, I I kind of, I I digress. Matthew, listen, thank you for your time. Matthew Sadley is a consultant psychiatrist and chair of the IMO's Consultants Committee and Gary Stack is a GP in Killarney. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.